Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The U.S. Market Update with Money FM 89.3. Good morning, folks. Here's your look at how markets are setting up for the day. And we are coming off the back of a negative session. So looking at where we are for the Dow Jones Industrial Average, that was down 0.8%, or around 290 points, to 34,000. 475. Worth noting, the Dow has closed below the 50-day moving average for the first time since June. Perhaps a warning sign of a downtrend. And you've got S&P 500 down 0.8% as well, closing at 4,370. And the Nasdaq Composite, once again, the biggest loser, down 1.2% falling to 13,317. So all against the backdrop of rising bond yields, the 10-year notes reaching their highest point since October 2022 off the back of the latest FMC minutes. So let's unpack what's going on with Lauren Goodwin. She is the Senior Director for Multi-Asset Solutions at New York Life Investments. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Thanks for joining us. Let's talk about what you are taking away from the latest session. It does look like we are almost coming off a streak of bad news and markets are trying to figure out where to go from here. Uh, What's your assessment of what investors are thinking of right now? Well, certainly the factors that you've mentioned already, the slowdown and potential property distress in China is very important. But I think the factor that U.S. investors and U.S. markets are grappling with the most is this question of inflation. Inflation has started to slow over the last couple of months. That's been very good news and constructive for U.S. Mm. equity markets. But the strong consumer data that we've seen this week make it more likely that inflation could resurge, which could put upward pressure on yields, which we've seen uh, can can contribute to market volatility. And so this is what I think investors are grappling with the most this week. Yeah, so you do have a lot in the mix. And if you talk about the strength of the U.S. consumer, what are you seeing? Because if you look at the recent earnings, it's been a patch of good and bad news. Some folks are doing better, being able to pass on costs, but some have seen um, consumers tighten the purse strings. That's right. Well, at the aggregate level across the U.S. economy, consumer spending and retail sales, even in inflation-adjusted terms, are very high. That's the main indicator that we look at to determine consumer health. But to your point, there's a growing divergence between types of consumers. Wealthier families are able to spend and continuing to spend in luxury brands. Mm. But middle and lower income consumers are starting to see more stress. And so we're seeing a trading down from more quality brands especially with groceries and and traditional retail, into lower cost brands. Okay, so if you've got that in the background, um, what is the expectations of a recession? We've been talking about it for quite some time. Are you expecting one and what form would it take if it does come? I do expect that we'll see recession likely beginning at the end of this year. I expect it to be mild in part because the U.S. consumer, which is 70% of the U.S. economy, has been so strong. And businesses, especially publicly traded businesses, have done a lot to shore up their balance sheets. So there aren't as many sources of potential excess in the economy that could cause a recession to be more painful, at least not at this time. But I do expect that that recession uh, will come closer um, and that we'll start to see outright declines in employment and economic activity towards the end of this year. Wow, the decline in employment. But looking at where the labor market is right now, it does seem like some ways to go. 
It does. Um, Important thing to remember, though, is that the labor market and the consumer, those are typically the last dominoes to topple in an economic cycle. And so as a result, this strength of the consumer and the labor market that we're seeing right now tells us more about what's going on in the economy right now, Mm. not so much about what it will look like in the future. And so typically when we see uh, more pronounced market reaction is when we see uh, labor market data start to turn negative. The fact that it's not negative right now doesn't tell me much about the future. Yeah, the markets always try and price in what's coming around the corner and in some sense try and price in what the Fed is going to do. So we've just got the FOMC minutes this week and you've got some suggestion that we could see perhaps rate hikes on the table or at least rates to stay elevated. Is there a disconnect between what the market is trying to price in and what the Fed is saying? Perhaps there is. The market is pricing four to five rate cuts next year. And for that to be the case, we would have to see a meaningful change in economic conditions. The Fed has been very clear that it's highly focused on the risk of inflation coming back. And until we see core inflation moving closer to the Fed's target, and until we see the labor market Mm -hmm. start to cool off, I think it's highly unlikely that we'll see rate cuts. And so if we were to see the four to five rate cuts that the market is pricing right now, that would mean that we'd have to see a substantial economic slowdown and a slowdown in the labor market as well before that happens. Yeah, so this is interesting because uh, it has an impact on markets. We've seen how bond yields have been rising, which which suggests um, pressure on stocks. How do you see the markets playing out for the rest of the year? I expect, although I do think that recession is likely to come at the end of this year, it's not here yet. Some of the volatility that we're seeing right now is fairly normal for August when there are fewer, uh, there's fewer traders on the desk, Mm. a little less trading volume. We tend to see more volatility. And so I think it's a little too early to say that we're at the beginning of an outright decline because U.S. data is still pretty good. And so in our portfolios, we're staying invested, trying to keep calm and carry on through Mm. the next couple of months. And again, when we start to see um, new inflation or labor market data is when we might make a different decision getting closer to that recession timeline. All right. Stay calm and carry on and stay invested. So Lauren, where are you looking to stay invested in right now? Well, this is one of the key questions facing investors right now because there are rising risks and it can be tempting to sit on the sidelines in cash-like securities or very safe defensive securities in a time like this. But we see that there are some really interesting trends that have developed over this post-pandemic period that we think can be leveraged by investors, even though we see macroeconomic risk rising. So just as an example, global shifts in supply chains, technology investments, green energy, these all require infrastructure investments. Mm including digital infrastructure and utilities and energy infrastructure. Those are some areas that we find compelling. Um, But also some of the pandemic era um, changes in the bond market in the U.S. have made many issuers higher quality. And so the corporate bond markets, even the high yield corporate bond markets in the U.S. are providing, we think, a very attractive yield relative to history and are exciting to us at this time. Yeah, I'm looking at your notes and you've got your eye on Japanese stocks as well. They've had a pretty good run. Is there still more upside to go? I think there could be. One of the real benefits of of a global allocation for investors is the opportunity to take advantage of business cycles as they're improving. And we've seen economic activity pick up in Japan, um, structural changes with respect to requirements on public equity issuers that we think could be constructive for investment. And of course, the Bank of Japan is behind the curve relative to the rest of the world on meaningfully tightening interest rate policy. And the weaker yen that we see as a result, we think is constructive for 
for um, industrial exporters out of Japan. So this is an area where we see um, still some potential upside and one of our highest conviction overweights in our portfolios. And not too far away, we've got the Chinese market. What's your take on investing there right now? There are several confounding factors with respect to investing in China. Of course, we are, as as uh, the news has been this week, concerned about economic as well as property market developments in China. Um, but we know that the Chinese economy is a largely controlled economy, and, and so we're not existentially concerned. What makes us take more pause in these last several months is the perceived, and I use the word perceived on purpose, the perceived investability of China in the long term, especially especially for a U.S.-based global investor, the dynamic between the U.S. and China is still unknown. And so China is such an important global economy, and we think it will continue to be so for the foreseeable future. But when it comes to aggressively investing in China, we're, we're taking pause. All right, perceived. So perhaps more being priced in than it should. So I suppose we'll have to see how that plays out. We've been chatting with Lauren Goodwin. She is the Senior Director for Multi-Asset Solutions at New York Life Investments. Lauren, thank you for joining us today on the show. Thank you. Hope you have a great day. Have a great day too, Lauren. And we'll catch you next time. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.